Uh, Today we are in part two of a three-part series that we are calling In Action, and this is a sermon series, a message series about service, if you want to call it that, service projects or helping people, supporting people, taking care of people, loving people, all falls under the same category, serving one another, helping one another, that's what we're talking about for three weeks, so we're in part two of this series, and uh, again, if you missed part one, you can check that out online. You can check it out on the podcast before it goes dark. It's podcast going dark for a couple of days. Uh, but we started that series last week, and so we're going to pick up today, and then next week we're going to have an opportunity to actually do something, which is great, because it's wonderful just to talk about service stuff, but to actually do it, that's a whole other thing. And so we're going to be doing something next week. Um, those of you who have um, had the opportunity to come up and, and, and speak here at Hope, uh, whether it's to give a, a full sermon, a full message, or just to share some kind of a testimony, if you have been crazy enough to ask me in advance for some advice, there is sort of this standard piece of advice that I give people who are, are coming up to share something, to give a message, or to give a little talk of some kind. And uh, what I tell you is this, and you, you may remember me telling you this, um, I say, of all the things that you could say, what is it that you must say? Of all the things that you could say, and you're about to stand up, you're about to share your experience, you're about to give a talk about a certain subject, of all the things that you could say, what is it that you must say? Now, if I've ever given you that piece of advice, I want you to know I realize I've just made the whole process more complicated for you. I realize that. I didn't make it easier. I made it more complicated. That's kind of my job. It's what I do. I make things more complicated. But it's an important question to ask. Of all the things that you could say, what is it you must say? And that's the question I asked myself for the course of the day. like, did you know there's a Sunday like every seven days I got to stand up and talk? Man, of all the things I could say. Have you ever read the Bible? There's so much there. I'll never be short of stuff to talk about, but of all the things that I could say of any given topic, what is it that I must say to this group of people at this time? What is it that must be said? And I think that same approach, that same mentality, we should take that same mentality towards all different aspects in life. I think that same way about my to-do list, right? But my work to-do list and my home to-do list, you look at that list, you say, man, of all the things that need to get done here, right, of all the things that I could do, what is it that I must do today? What needs to get done today, right? Think about that tomorrow morning when you show up at the office or whatever it is, like, okay, this is my job, I'm going to have a lot of things, that, what is it that I must do today? Of all the things that I could do, what is it that I must do? Same with your day off. You got that list. All the stuff you got to do around the house, maybe you have it written down, maybe you don't. Maybe you're like me where you've got one list on your phone and then another list in your journal and a scrap piece of paper with things written down. I think my first thing that I need to do is just combine my list. That's step number one, right? You get all these lists, and what do they call that, that season of life when it's just like you keep adding to the list but not subtracting? What's that called? I think it's just called life, right? That's called life, right? But you've got the to-do list in front of you. You say, what in the world? And yesterday I had a day where it's like, wow, there's a lot that needs to get done, but what is it that I must do? All these fun options like raking leaves or cleaning gutters or reorganizing the sock drawer or whatever it is. What is it that today must happen today? What is it that I must do? Of all the things that I could do, what is it that I must do? I believe we need to take that same mentality, that same way of thinking, that same approach to our service projects, our service efforts when it comes to helping other people, loving other people, showing other people our support, taking care of people who are in need. We should apply that same way of thinking of all the things that we could do to help other people. What is it that we must do? Of all the many, many things that we could do to help others, my goodness gracious, there were so many things we could do. 
There are so many needs in this world. There are so many needs in this country. There are so many needs right here in Southern Delaware County. There are so many needs in our lives. And especially this time of year, we're just inundated with things that we can do to help other people. If you spend any time at all on social media, you're going to see, okay, there's a fundraiser for this. Or we're, uh, you know, we're collecting canned goods or we're doing a food drive or we're doing a, collecting coats and stuff. I mean, there's so many things that we can do that we can so easily become overwhelmed Kind of step away and say, I, I don't know, what do you want from me, world, right? So many things that we could do. And so we need to ask ourselves that question as a church and as individuals, but as a church of all the things that we could be doing in this world, what is it that we must do? People of Hope Community Church, as one church in southern Delaware County, as one church right here in this ridley Interbury area, as one church, what is it, of all the things that we could be doing, what is it that we must do? And I want to encourage you and challenge you right now to ask yourself that question. Looking at your life, looking at the people you know, looking at all the stuff that's going on in your world, of all the things that you could do to show love to other people, of all the things that you could do to help somebody else, of all the ways that you could serve somebody, what is it that you... As an individual, or you as a family unit, what is it that you must do? If you have the courage to ask yourself that question, you might just find an answer. What is it that you must do? Now, if we're going to talk about doing, which we are, we're going to talk about good works or doing stuff that's, that's positive and helpful and serving other people, then we need to clarify something right up front here, Okay. Because there's this whole thing when it comes to good works and Christianity, good works and faith. And, and here's something I need to explain for those of you who may be newer to Christianity, or maybe you're not newer, but you just this is something that you've missed along the way. Here's something that you need to know about our good works, okay? And this is, this is really important. Our good works, our acts of service, our expressions of love, you know, the stuff that we do to help other people, we can't, through our good works, we can't, through our good deeds, earn a ticket into heaven. I just need to clarify that, Okay? Because when we start talking about good works, some people have that question, well, what's up with Christians? Why are they doing good works? Why are they trying to help other people? Why are they trying to love other people? Are they trying to earn themselves access to heaven? I want you to know right now, that's not what the Bible says. We cannot, okay, this is kind of a bummer, but we cannot earn salvation for ourselves. We cannot earn a ticket into heaven. We cannot earn that on our own. We just, we just can't. And so that's not what good works are about for us, okay? Furthermore, and this is, again, just stick with me on this one. We also, here's something else we can't do. We also can't earn God's love. We can't earn it. We can't go before him and say, well, here's my resume, God. Here's all the stuff that I've done. Do you love me now? We can't earn God's love. And the reason we can't earn God's love is because we start with God's love, God's love can't be earned. It is unconditional. It's where we start. It doesn't matter what kind of resume you bring before God. He's going to love you anyway. God is a perfect Father who loves us unconditionally. You don't have to worry about trying to earn His love. It's not about that. He loves you. That's the starting point. Now listen, maybe that's the only message that you needed to hear today was that, is that God loves you unconditionally. No matter what your resume looks like, no matter how many good deeds you've done or haven't done, no matter what your past looks like, God's love is unconditional. That's the good news. And as far as entry into heaven or being able to be saved, can I use that Christian terminology, to be saved from this world and be able to enter into eternal life, you can't earn that, but we have this opportunity to receive eternal life as a gift in Jesus Christ. We can't earn heaven. We can't earn salvation. 
That's something that we can't do, but it is a gift that has been presented to us in Jesus Christ. Jesus did for us. Did you guys know this? Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He died on the cross for our sins. He took on the punishment that we deserved, and then he was raised back to life. And in his death and in his resurrection, we have been presented with this gift. That's what Scripture tells us. We have been presented with the gift of eternal life for all of those who would choose to receive it, right? What's that famous verse? John 3, 16, right? God so loved the world. What do we say? We don't earn his love. We start with his love. He so loved the world. It starts with his love that he gave to us. It's a gift we didn't earn. He gave to us his one and only son that whoever believes in him or puts their trust in him and what he has accomplished in the work that he has done will not perish but will receive eternal life, right? Amen? Amen. Are we one of those churches that does that? Hey, why not? Let's try it today, right? That seemed to fit, right? And so that's what we need to clarify up front about doing good works, right? And so again, I come back to that question, all right? As a follower of Jesus, those of you who are followers of Jesus here today, those of you who are Christians here today, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, what is it that you must do? Now, some Christians would answer that and say, well, listen, nothing, (laughs) right? I've already got that whole salvation thing taken care of, so what do I have to do? What is it that I must do to help other people? I ain't got to do nothing because I'm already set. I'm scored away. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I'm just going to coast my way through life and then go to heaven, and that's how it's going to work. No, no, no. Listen, here's another thing. Another thing that we need to understand. This This is so fundamental, so foundational to our beliefs here as a church and really what biblical Christianity is all about. Here's what you need to know about Christianity. Christianity is about so much more than your salvation. It's about more than your salvation, okay? Yes, it's about your salvation, but it's about more than that. And so many people, maybe you used to think this once upon a time. Maybe you think this right now. You think that Christianity, well, it's just like a bunch of people trying to find their way into heaven and all these different, you know, religions or belief systems or call them what you will, these ideologies, these methods. It's all about just trying to get... No, listen, Christianity, it's not just about your salvation, What Jesus has presented to us is not just this beautiful gift of eternal life on a silver platter. He's also given us a way to live in the here and now, an approach to life, a way to live, a way to treat other people, a way to interact with other people. Listen, guys, this mm, this is so important to me. This is so important to us as a church. This is so important to God. What God has given us in Jesus Christ is a way to live in this world that makes sense and that is fruitful, and that is, here's the word, purposeful. What are you supposed to do with your days on this earth? This brief window we have on this planet. What are you supposed to do with your life? What's the purpose of it all? What's the meaning? Seriously, what is it? What's the meaning of life? I don't know. Try to get a good education. Get a good job, make as much money as you can, buy a lot of stuff, create as much comfort as you can, retire, get sick, and die. Yeah! Are you serious? Come on, guys. Is that all that life has to offer? No, what Jesus has offered to us is what he describes, this is his terminology, as the abundant life, a life that's worth living a life that is fruitful, and it's about so much more than just trying to create a little bubble for yourself of comforts. No, it's a life dedicated to doing work that is worth doing. What is it that's worth doing on this planet? Taking care of other people, loving 
other people? Do you wonder why Jesus said it so many times over and over and over again in many different ways? Love one another, love your enemies, love your neighbors, treat other people the way you want to be treated. My goodness, how many different ways did he say, put this phrase, this one idea, because what, guys, what else is there? What else is there? You've heard the stories. Maybe you've lived the story of the person that makes it toward the end of their life, and they say, what did I do? What did I accomplish? What was this all about? You don't want to end up in that situation. There's very little to do on this planet that's worth doing, but taking care of other people, sharing the love of Jesus with other people, supporting other people, helping people as they're in need, that's worth doing. And when we lean into that, when we give ourselves over to that spirit of service and help and love, we experience the abundant life. We experience the joy of living a life worth living, a life that's rich with purpose. And so we come back to that question for you as an individual, for you as a family unit. Of all the things that you could do to share love with others, of all the things that you could do to serve other people, what is it that you must do? You know, there's this this verse in the book of Acts. What is that, like our favorite book of the Bible here at this church? Maybe it is, I don't know. There's this verse in the book of Acts, and there's a, there's a scene that unfolds, and this is Paul, and this is Acts chapter, um, in chapter 17 now. Just going to look at one verse. But there's this scene that unfolds where Paul, Paul's doing this amazing work, and he has this amazing opportunity, and he's speaking to Gentiles. He's speaking to people that have no context for, like, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Jewish people. They have no idea what that God is all about. And so, and so Paul is working with basically a clean slate. And he's teaching these people, and he's trying to explain, listen, he's trying to explain God to a group of people, right? How easy is that, right? Let me just tell you about God. And so he's giving, basically, he's giving these people, again, who, you know, they have a blank slate for the most part. He's giving them the story of God. And there's one verse that stands out here. He's talking about how God has worked and created people and set all these things in motion. Here's what he says, 17, Acts 17, verse 26, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And so that's one of those verses that you could easily kind of, you're going, okay, Paul's just giving us a big story. He's giving us a recap of what God's all about and how he put people on this earth and how he's the creator, and that's great. But, but listen to the details there. Don't miss out on this. God, sure, it started with one person. God has created, and, and so many Christians believe this, God has created each one of us with intense intentionality, right? Our God, the God that we meet in the Bible, is a God of order, not a God of chaos. He's also, and I love this about God, He's also a God of strategy. And so every single person He has brought into creation at a specific point in time, and He has established, here is your window on this planet, right? Here is your time, and here's who you are going to be connected to in your life. And here are the boundaries of your land. All of us, we have boundaries. We've got boundaries that God has given to us. A number of years that we're on this planet, a place that we live, yeah, we can travel, but, but we're fine. We've got a piece of land that's ours and people that are our community. And God appointed all of these things. Don't miss that. I mean, this is, and this is amazing. This is one of the things one of the few things, that we have in common with Jesus Christ. Because here's what God the Father did. He waited. He had it all planned out. Oh, strategy. We've got a God of strategy. He had it all planned out. And at just the perfect point in time, God said, okay, now it's time for Jesus to be born. Now it's time to enter into the earth 
now, perfect time. In the same way it would work for each one. Do you believe that? For each one of us, God waited for the perfect time for you. He said, wait, wait for it. Not yet. And be born now. Right? You know what I mean? That's how he did it for each one of us. That's how, listen, that's how integral you are to God's plan and to God's strategy. Don't miss that. Don't shy away from that. And so keeping that in mind, that you are here in this place, in this piece of geography, connected to other people, that this is all part of God's strategy, keeping all that in mind, how would you answer the question of all the things that you could do to love other people? What is it that you must do? Take a look at the Scripture passage in your bulletin. Now, we started this last Sunday. We're going to watch this scene unfold piece by piece. This is Jesus. For those of you who were here last week, you might remember this is Jesus at the Last Supper. And this thing has happened where they're celebrating the Passover meal together, and nobody has showed up to wash feet, and so Jesus takes on the role of servant. Remember what we said about this last week? Jesus could say, hey, listen, in a few hours, I'm going to be dying on the cross for your sins. So do you think somebody else could wash the feet? He could have had that attitude. He could have said that. He could have delegated. That would have been fair. But instead, he gets down, he gets dirty, he gets hands on, and he does this work of washing his disciples' feet. And so verse 12 of John 13, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place, and said, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Okay, that's an important thing. Don't miss that either, right? Jesus didn't say, okay, now I've acted like a servant, so stop calling me teacher, stop calling me Lord, stop calling me master because now I'm your servant. He's like, no, I'm still those things. I'm still your teacher. Yeah, I've taken the role of a servant, but I'm still your master. I'm still your Lord. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, this is it. And this is, Jesus is so clear about this. Now that I have done this for you, you also should wash one another's feet. As I have taken care of you, as I have served you, now you must serve one another. Last Sunday, we started talking about this, a few of us after worship, talking about how, you know, some churches nowadays, they do this whole foot washing ceremony. Have you ever been a part of that? You don't have to admit it. Like, some churches do that. There's some Christians group, you go up and you take off your shoes and they wash your feet. And I did a thing years ago, I was at some conference, and it was like, okay, we're going to do a foot washing ceremony, but we don't want anybody to get cooties, so keep your shoes on and we're just going to wipe your shoes with tissues. I'm like, what is the point of any of this? What is the point of this? I feel like if we're doing that, we've missed the point of what Jesus is trying to say. There are some guys who needed their feet washed, so I did it. That's what Jesus is saying, right? There were some people in need, and I helped them. But don't miss this. I keep saying that. Have you noticed that? Don't miss it. Don't miss how many times I say don't miss this in one message. We're going to do a tally at the end of this. Who is Jesus serving here? Just some randos? And who are these guys? Who is Jesus? Who is he taking care of? Who is he helping? Who is he serving? His disciples. I mean, we don't know exactly who was all in this room. We know it was at least the 12 appointed disciples, probably more than that, almost certainly more than that, more than just the appointed 12, because Jesus had more than 12 followers. He had a larger network. He had the 12 appointed disciples and other people, but they were there in that room. And these guys, the 12, you know, plus Jesus 13, these guys were in each other's lives for years, day in, day out. Day in, day out, traveling together. Three years, maybe as many as three and a half years, depending on when they jumped on this whole trolley. In each other's lives, 
They sat at Jesus' feet. They heard him teaching. They saw the miracles. They heard him being persecuted. I mean, they were there together. They shared a level of community that, that we, don't, we can't comprehend. Have you done the thing of going on a mission trip? You do your week, and you're living it for that week or those two weeks, and you're in each other's lives, and you know what's going on, and you're sharing meals together, and you know who's in the bathroom, and you know how you're waiting for like, You know all this stuff, right? And then you come home. These guys did it for three and a half, three, three and a half years in each other's lives. I mean, there was no secrets. They knew what was going on in each other's lives. There was no getting away from it. They were in it. So to this group of people, not some strangers, but to this group of people, Jesus serves in this way. Now, if Jesus had washed the feet of a stranger, beautiful story. It would be a wonderful thing. There would be so much to learn from that. But in this instance, he's not doing that. He's not washing the feet of a stranger. Not here. It's people that he knows, people that he is, here we go, in relationship with the people in his life. And he says to them, I have done, you know, listen, we know each other. We've been around for a long time. You call me teacher, you call me Lord, you call me rabbi. Maybe one day you'll call me friend. Maybe one day we'll have a different, but we know each other. And I'm serving you. And you guys all know each other serve one another. In fact, later on, Jesus clarifies this whole thing about serving each other and loving one another, and Jesus tells us this thing. It's this idea that how we take care of each other within the church, within this community, is a reflection of God to the outside community, people who don't yet know Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, take care of each other, serve each other in the context of relationship, real ministry, fruitful ministry, difficult ministry, always takes place in the context of of relationship. Bearing these things in mind, we come back to that question. (laughs) Of all the things that you could do to help others, to serve others, what is it? What is it that you must do? Let me rephrase that question. We're going to make this a little bit more pointed, perhaps a little bit more challenging. Let's think of it this way. Of all the things that you could do to serve other people, what is it that only you can do? That's worth repeating. Some of you are writing that down. Good for you. Of all the things that you could do, and there's a lot of them, what is it that only you can do? Take a look at that list of stuff in your bulletin. I mean, we've got an insert. Is that like, wow, it's amazing. We've got a whole page of stuff that you can do, things that you can do to help other people. Now, look, everybody in this room, just about for the most part, just about all of us in this room, we could go to the grocery store. And just about everybody in this room could spare the two or three bucks to buy a single-serving food item for a kid in Nina Prospect Park, right? We could all do that, and let's face it, we probably all should, right? But what is it that's unique to you that only you can do? And if you don't do it, nobody in this room is going to do it. Nobody in this room even knows about it. What is it that only you can do? Maybe, let's try, let me try to help you answer that question. Maybe stop thinking about what and start thinking about who. Maybe start thinking about the things, the action, the activity, the doing. Stop thinking about it and start thinking about the people in your life. Because you as an individual, you are connected to people that I don't know. You are connected to people that none of us know. And so what is it? Are we traveling together? Are we with this? Are we tracking? What is it that only you can do that none of us can? Start there. Maybe there's that, that little old lady that lives down the street from you. And she needs her leaves raked, right? And you're the only one in this church who knows that little old lady. If you don't reach out to her, none of us will. We don't know her. Okay, is this clicking? Is it making sense now? 
What about that? Oh, boy, what about that coworker you have? You know that guy. He's a little rough around the edges. Yeah. In children's church last week, they called those the burlap people. You got any burlap people in your life? Yeah. Sometimes it feels like you got nothing. This is Delco. Nothing but burlap people here. Come on. But there's that guy. He's your coworker. He doesn't have a family. He's all by himself. And you've thought about, oh, man, should I invite this guy to Thanksgiving dinner? If I do that, it's going to be a sacrifice, and it's going to change the whole dynamic. And it's not going to be as fun. Oh, my goodness. Listen, we don't know him. But you do. If you don't do it, ain't nobody else going to do it. What is it? What is it that only, oh boy, did we just get, we land somewhere tough? What is it that only you can do? Find that thing, and once you've discovered it, here's what you can do. Invite us in on it, okay? That's part of the reason why we do this leaves thing, okay? We're doing that next Sunday. We're going out. We're going to have a little abbreviated worship service. Then we're going to go out in small groups to rake other people's leaves. Um, just so you know, if you're not able to rake leaves for any reason, any kind of you know, physical limitations, that's fine. Come join us for the worship service, and then you can pray for us as you send us out. That's fantastic. But this is why we do that, so that you as an individual, you're the only one who knows that person in your life who's in need, and then you can tag us in to help you. You see what I'm saying? Does this make sense? So what is it, what is it that only you can do? Who are the people believing? If we believe what, what Paul has to say to us, if we believe what the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, what is it that you have been placed on this planet to do that nobody else can? Can we talk about Batman for a minute? I think we should. That's what we do as a church, give the people what they want. 1989 Batman story, Michael Keaton, wonderful scene unfolds. You can make fun of me all day long for this, but this is an awesome scene. Vicki Vale's talking to Bruce Wayne, who, by the way, is Batman, spoiler alert. She says to him, she asks him the question, why are you doing this? You know what he says? Because nobody else can. Boom! Where are you, Batman? What is it that you can do that nobody else can? If you don't do it, it's not going to happen. If you don't help that person, nobody else will because you're the only one who knows them. So here's where I want to encourage you slash challenge you today. If during our time together this morning, if somebody has popped into your mind, right? Or let's use the Christian terminology. If the Lord has laid somebody on your heart, right? That's what Christians say. If there's something that has been brought into your spirit, brought to your mind, brought into your heart, something's like, you know what? Listen, preacher, I already have the answer to the question. If you already have the answer to the question, what is it that only you can do? If you have that answer, here's, here's my word of encouragement to you. Act. Do it. Do the thing. Because you know what we Christians do? We talk ourselves out of it. You know, we have that moment where we feel like, oh man, I know, I know exactly what it is that I need to do, and I know exactly who it is that I need to help, and I know who it is that I need to reach out to, but oh, what do we do? So, well, you know what? I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about it for a while, and we'll kind of see how things happen. And we, that's, a, that's a lovely little excuse that we give ourselves. Here's what I want. Don't pray about it. Just do it, Okay. If you haven't answered the question, what are you praying about? Just do the thing. This guy's anti-prayer. What's going on? I knew this was a cult. The pastor doesn't even believe in prayer. What's going on here? No, I believe in prayer. I'm just saying, but you know what happens? We use that as an excuse. Well, I feel kind of, you know, maybe I feel a little convicted or I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit or the Lord laid someone on my heart, but I just need to pray about it for a while. And then what happens? Well, we don't pray about it and we don't do it. And so my, my word of encouragement to you today is to act on it. I don't care if you leave right now to make a phone call. Go ahead. Act on it. Nobody? All right. Act on it. 
That's my word of encouragement to you today. And if you don't yet have an answer to that question, here's my encouragement to you. If you don't, you know, the question of what is it that only you can do, what is it that you must do, if you don't yet have an answer to that question, here's where I want to encourage you. Here's where I want to challenge you. I want to ask you to do something completely radical. I want to ask you to do something that's so countercultural, it's just like, wow. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Ponder. Dwell on it. How much of your to-do list is devoted to pondering? Well, here's what I'm going to ponder today. We don't do that. Here's what I'm asking you to do. If you don't yet have an answer to that question, seek after one. If you don't yet have an answer to the question of what is it that only you can do, well, that's a wonderful opportunity to pray, all right? See, I'm not anti-prayer. Pray on that. What is it that only you can do? The good news is this. When we, again, God has established a strategy. When we lean into that strategy, even though it's difficult, even though it might require an awkward phone call or a weird knock on a door, even though it might get a little bit uncomfortable for us, when we lean into that strategy, we experience the very thing Jesus promised us, abundant life, a life worth living, a life filled with purpose. Let me pray for you. Father, I believe it. I believe that you have created each one of us with incredible intentionality and that you've put each one of us here on this planet for for such a time as this and you've connected us to specific people. And each one of us, we have a circle, a group, a community, a circle of influence. And so, Father God, I ask that you would give us the ability to lean into your strategy Help us to identify the people that that we have been created and called to help and to serve. Father God, don't allow us to shy away from this, Lord Jesus. We want to live into the abundant life that you have preordained for us. We want this, Lord Jesus. And Father God, as we serve you in these ways, we know that, that it's not about us. It's not about earning anything. It's just about doing what our Lord has commanded us to do and experiencing joy In that, Lord, allow us to experience that joy, the joy of serving other people, the joy of loving other people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.